Lekutei Seches, Chelek Tesezayin, Parshas Boi, Seche Gimel. We're learning in the Schus of Heni Rivka, Bas Bracha Dvorleya, for a speedy and complete Rufuah Shlema, in a miraculous way. One of the differences between Pesach Mitzrayim, the Pesach of Egypt, to Pesach of all future generations, was that on the first Pesach in Egypt, the lamb was taken four days prior to its slaughter on the 10th of the month. Now, this was not commanded for all future generations, as long as there was the temple, even though what was required for all future generations was checking the lamb that would be slaughtered for imperfections and blemishes. But actually, taking the lamb four days prior on the 10th is not a requirement. The reason for taking the lamb for slaughter four days prior, Pesach in Egypt, unlike Pesach of all future generations, is highlighted in Rashi's explanation on verse 6, Pasuvav, in chapter 12, Perakid Beis, of our Torah portion. Rashi quotes the Mechilta, saying, Haya Rabbi Masya ben Choresh Aimer. Rabbi Masya says regarding the verse in Yecheskel, Vo'ever alayach, I passed over you, vihine, and it was your time of love, the time that the promise I made to Avraham to redeem his children had come. V'at eirim ve'eria, but you were naked and bare of mitzvahs in Mitzrayim, and had no mitzvahs with which to be involved upon the advent of your redemption. And so God gave the nation, Rashi says, that Rav Masya teaches, two mitzvahs. The mitzvah of the blood of the Paschal sacrifice for the 14th of Nisan, and the mitzvah of the blood of circumcision, which they fulfilled on that very night of the 10th of Nisan. But, Rav Masya ben Harish explains, only why God commanded them in regards to the mitzvah of the Paschal sacrifice so that they be involved in a mitzvah with which to merit redemption. But we don't quite have the answer to why the lamb was taken four days in advance. And why four days and not three days? Furthermore, Reb Masya ben Choresh isn't talking about taking the lamb, only about its slaughter, Dam Pesach, the blood of the sacrifice, which is really relevant to the instruction to paint the doorposts of the doors of the Jewish homes with blood of the sacrifice to identify these homes. And of course, this was done after the slaughter of the animals on the 14th of Nisan. Even if we were somehow compelled to suggest that involvement with the blood of the Paschal sacrifice included taking the lamb, as in one takes the lamb for slaughter, still doesn't tell us why Rav Masya ben Chorish brings the concept of damila, the blood of circumcision, up. And that God, and why God instructed us about the mitzvah, or this mitzvah, at that time. And more than that, every circumcision is and was a mitzvah for generations. One who was circumcised was not instructed regarding this in Egypt, before Passover. There are commentaries who explain that via Rab Masya ben Choresh's words that God gave them two commandments, 
the paschal blood and the blood of circumcision, we understand why they took the animal four days before slaughter. After a circumcision, it would be dangerous and not possible to travel for another three days, as Rashi has already indicated in the portion of Shmois when Moshe could not perform a bris on his son and then immediately travel, and so he delayed his child's circumcision. And so the commandment to circumcise themselves was for the 10th of Nisan. So both mitzvahs, preparing the lamb, in other words, taking the lamb, and circumcision were performed in advance and in preparation of their leaving Egypt. And therefore, in order for Jews to have these two mitzvahs, the two merits, together with which to leave Egypt, the lamb was also taken early on the 10th. But this explanation that Rashi says that the blood of Mila was in conjunction with it taking the Paschal lamb is really puzzling because Rashi says that the slaughter of the Paschal sacrifice and the blood of the circumcision were both on the eve of the 14th as it merged into the 15th of Nisan. Rashi continues and says that the nation was awash in paganism and in idolatry. And so Moshe instructed the elders, withdraw and buy for yourselves sheep to slaughter for a Passover sacrifice. Withdraw, Rashi says, from idolatry and take sheep for the mitzvah. But this thought and elucidation is not the way Rav Masya ben Choresh explains it. Rather, it's the opinion of Rav Eliezer HaKefer, who argues with Rabbi Masya's opinion and determines that the nation had actually received, in fact, four mitzvahs and were not empty of mitzvahs. So Rashi brings two different opinions, but doesn't separate between them with the words Dover Acher, another idea, or with the words Yesh Aymrim, there are those who say, as he normally or usually would for different opinions. And why does Rashi say they were shtufim, obsessed, awash with idolatry? He says, Rashi says, and they were obsessed. Where does the and come from? It's as though Rashi suggests that's a continuation of what Rab Masya ben Choresh is saying. This explanation of Rashi is a prominent example of a rule that we have highlighted often, that when Rashi quotes a saying of the sages, Quoting the person who has said it, there's a very specific reason for this, and that is that by knowing the name of the one who first said this teaching, we can understand Rashi's explanation more broadly and better. In our discussion, Rashi quotes the Mechilta with two explanations, quoting one after the other. In the first, he quotes the saying in the one who said it, Rabbi Masya ben Choresh, but in the latter, he omits the name of the person who said it. We must therefore say that by highlighting the name of Rabbi Masya ben Choresh, Rashi wants to better elucidate the explanation. But let's also be aware that Rashi doesn't only highlight his name, Rabbi Masya ben Choresh, he also quotes the format of the Mechilta. The Mechilta says, 
Hoya Rabbi Masya bin Khorish Omer. Rabbi Masya bin Khorish would always say, so he was always inclined to say this teaching. Why do we know, need to know that? How does it enhance our understanding of Rashi's explanation? Here's how we understand this. Rashi says, and they were obsessed with idol worship and doesn't separate this explanation out as a new or additional explanation because according to the literal intention of the verse, and Rashi's intention always is the literal intention of the verse, there's no answer in Rabbi Masya's words to the question, why was the lamb taken four days prior to its slaughter? And in fact, Rabbi Masya ben Harish doesn't mention taking the lamb at all. That answer that suits the literal intention of the verse is found at the conclusion of Rashi in the words, they were obsessed and even addicted to idol worship. And so God said, draw away from idolatry and take a lamb on the 10th day, which isn't just about making the people worthy of taking the lamb for the mitzvah of slaughter, and therefore they must draw away from idolatry. Because an idolatrous person may not eat from the Paschal sacrifice, it's actually taking the lamb for the mitzvah that will cancel out and even obliterate their obsession with idol worship. And this is achieved by taking possession of the lamb for four days prior to its slaughter. But Rashi introduces this idea because the essential point of the sacrifice, based on the literal intention of the verses, is as the name of the sacrifice implies, Pesach, Dam Pesach, the blood of the Paschal sacrifice. Pesach is to leap. Pesach is called so because God jumped over or leaped over, circumventing every Jewish home. The blood of the Paschal sacrifice smeared on the doorposts of Jewish homes was the indicator for which home God would leap over. How is that then connected to their obsession with idols? Rashi thus begins with the saying of Rabbi Masya ben Harish, teaching that the main point for the mitzvahs God gave in Egypt before redemption was to nullify their status as naked of mitzvahs, that they have commandments to be involved in in order to be redeemed. So God gives us two mitzvahs of the blood of the paschal sacrifice and the blood of the circumcision to repair our condition of being naked and bare. And less significant is the actual performance of the slaughter and the eating of the sacrifice and the circumcision. Here are some questions, though, on the teaching of Rabbi Masya ben Kharish, that God gave us two mitzvahs because we were naked and bare of mitzvahs. Why two? One would do the job of changing our status from naked and bare. And if God wanted to garment us in merits, then why only two? The explanation is that each of these two mitzvahs removed another aspect of this status of naked and bare. Naked and bare of mitzvahs. There was a dual lack at that time in Egypt. 
We were missing the positive action of mitzvahs. And so we didn't have what we needed specifically to go and serve God, to leave Egypt and merit the Torah. And we were lacking in the service of Sor Meirah, removing ourselves from bad. The evil and depravity of Egypt was adhered to the nation. And so even when there were mitzvahs to perform, without removing the negative, there could be no complete redemption. We would leave Egypt with Egypt still clinging to us. And so the nation was given two mitzvahs, one that accomplishes the asetav, the positive action, the mitzvah of circumcision, bringing them into the covenant of God, and one that accomplishes the moving away from evil, the paschal sacrifice, dam pesach, the blood of the pesach sacrifice. This helps us to better understand why they were given dam pesach as a mitzvah with which to engage in order to be redeemed. Because it would seem that the mitzvah of the paschal sacrifice is about its eating. In fact, the details around its eating too were about eating, ensuring that it's a lamb per home, that each individual being there would be considered in terms of how much they could eat to ensure that one was able to eat, which would exclude someone who was ill or an elderly person for whom the amount might be too difficult. But now we understand what it means to busy themselves with a mitzvah so they would be redeemed, leaving the negativity and evil of Egypt, leaving that evil behind. How is, in fact, the blood of the paschal sacrifice associated with turning away from the negative? And if they had no mitzvahs, it's understood that the mitzvahs they were given would be national, general mitzvahs, like circumcision, which is not just a personal individual mitzvah, but also a general national mitzvah. It's a sign of a covenant between our people and God. So the mitzvah of the blood of the paschal sacrifice also must achieve something very essential that affects all of the nation in this service of turning away from the bad. So what is the national impact and service of the paschal blood? Rashi provides this answer when he continues and says, and they were obsessed with idolatry. And so Moshe instructed them, withdraw your hands from the idols and take a lamb for a mitzvah. This sacrifice nullified their obsessive absorption in idolatry, in idolatry, not a simple negative behavior. And how was this achieved? We've learned in the portion of Aira that the sheep were deified by the Egyptians. So the seizing of the lamb for the sacrifice in order to slaughter it broke their connection to idolatry, reversing it completely through the intention of slaughter. And this is why it was taken four days prior to sacrificing. To uproot and eradicate the depths of their idolatrous ways, four days were needed to hold the animal for a while with a conscious awareness that they would be slaughtering this animal. Rashi, in fact, explained this concept when we studied the Akedah, the binding of Isaac. Only on the third day after Abraham's departure from home was he shown the place of the Akedah. Why? So that none could say that Avraham made this decision 
to serve God this way in a frenzy of religious passion. And had he had time to consider, he wouldn't have done it. So Avram had four days from when he was commanded by God, for he left early the next day, a significant amount of time to be clear and composed about his decision. For a five-year-old Torah student to better understand the words of Rabbi Masya ben Kharish, that despite God's promise to Avram to redeem us, we needed a mitzvah to involve ourselves with in order to be redeemed, Rashi quotes the Baal Hamaimer, the one who actually said this, as well as what he said, and that he said this often and frequently even to his disciples, because this reflected and explained his own behavior. The Gemara relates in the portion of Sanhedrin that the yeshiva of Rabbi Masya ben Kharish was in Rome. Though there were still yeshivas in Israel, his yeshiva and court sat specifically in Rome. But why? Why cause others to have to travel to Rome to study? The Talmud teaches here that we are to pursue righteousness, and this means to follow the wise men to where they teach, to follow Rabbi Masya to Rome. But why not in Israel? To which the teaching is, Rabbi Masya ben Kharish would say, frequently and consistently comforting his students for the fact that they found themselves in Rome versus the Holy Land, teaching that redemption is dependent upon making a place of Torah in a place like Rome and finding Jews who are like Rome, void of Torah, and making a Jew into a yeshiva student who is occupied with his Torah study, so much so that it becomes his business or his busyness. And that's why his yeshiva was in Rome in a place of exile to help another Jew and thereby bring redemption. This lesson serves us today in this final and deep exile, the extension of Golos Remi, knowing that all signs and dates of redemption have passed, Jews call out and complain, we're here almost 2,000 years. How long can you exhaust us in exile? And so Rashi says, if the whole challenge was just leaving exile, we'd have long been out. But God wants us to leave with abundant wealth, not naked and bare of mitzvahs. He wants us to have mitzvahs in abundance. Just as when we left Egypt, when we received the promise we would go out with vast treasure, our response was, we're ready to give up the treasure. Just let us get out of exile. But God intended for us to leave with vast treasures of both the physical and the spiritual dimensions. And that's our situation now. This future redemption will be just as when we left Egypt. Witness to great miracles, God wants us to leave exile now with vast abundance and all that that signifies. This idea in the Torah portion also reflects the aspect of the day of Yud Shvat, the day of the passing of the previous Rebbe, whose histalkus, whose passing, was on Shabbos, Parshas Bay. The previous Rebbe put personal effort into spreading Torah and mitzvahs to the point of self-sacrifice. He did this among all types of Jews and got involved personally with individuals, as we well know from the many stories. And he taught that we must do this in a manner that reflects the teaching of Ramasya ben Kharish, to clothe the Jew naked of Tzintvillin. And this is indeed why the previous Rebbe was here in America, 
building Temchetvimim here, in exile, outside of Eretz Yisrael, in a populous place which, like Rome, has a chaotic bustle. This is where we must seek out the Jew who is naked and bare and give him a mitzvah or two mitzvahs and more so that he or she is involved and living and adding light to their lives. Because in the redemption of this last exile, not a Jew will remain behind. So we have to find every Jew, no matter where he may be, and ensure he has at least one mitzvah so that he isn't naked. This is what our entire redemption rests upon. And by walking in the ways of the previous Rebbe, and in this way in particular, we will achieve and we will effect an immediate redemption, thus leading to the rising of those who lie in the dust, those who have passed, and he among them speedily now in our days.